You are listening to Feeling Good, a podcast for dentists, hosted by Dr. Laura Mock. This is a space where we talk about all things wellness, just for dentists. If you're looking for help treating yourself better, mentally, emotionally, and physically, you're in the right place. Hello, and welcome to another episode of my podcast, Feeling Good, a podcast for dentists. I'm Dr. Laura Mock, and I'm just here to introduce you to our episode today. First, though, I'm going to read another one of the reviews that I've gotten from you all. You guys have no idea how happy it makes me when I get a review on my podcast. Like, you know, the podcast is a little bit sort of like my little baby, you know? So every time somebody tells me my baby is pretty, I'm like, oh, you're my best friend. (laughs) So... If you haven't left me a review yet, you know, it really does me a favor. It helps more people see the podcast and it makes me feel good and like you more. So here's the one that I have for today. It says, Dr. Mock's information is not only very accurate, she knows what she is talking about from personal experience. She relates to everyday problems dentists have. She is authentic and very real. Every health professional will relate to this. Aw, makes me feel so good. So today, our podcast is an interview with a very smart speaker and dentist, and his name is Dr. Ankur Gupta. And I met him at a dental speakers conference last month, and we just had such a fascinating conversation. I was like, you should come on to my podcast, and let's have this conversation for other people to listen to as well. And I know you guys are really going to enjoy him. So Dr. Gupta, after completing a one-year GPR in Cleveland, he started a practice from scratch in 2005. And armed with what he considered to be adequate knowledge and hand skills and a personable demeanor, he watched his practice as it floundered and the finances became unpredictable and his lower back and his spirit became more of a problem. So rather than continue the trend, he made a guinea pig out of his office and his family and also himself. He attempted any and all personal and professional experiments in self-improvement. More than a decade later, he enjoys excellent new patient numbers and case acceptance, a solution-oriented dental team, and most importantly, a meaningful and positive identity. He happily shares the failures and successes with dental community groups throughout the country, always ending his presentations with practical, implementable, step-by-step ways to be better. And I think stick with this interview and you will find some nuggets in there, ways to be better and also to feel better. That's a lot of what we talk about in this interview is just how can we as dentists just feel a little bit better about ourselves and our work and our families. So listen in. I know you guys won't regret it. All right. Welcome on core to my podcast. Hi, I'm happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Thank you for being here. I'm so excited because we had such a fascinating conversation when we met at the dental speakers meeting. And I just thought you had so many good insights. You really needed to come on to my show and help the people listening to me learn what you've learned. You know, it's interesting, Laura. I, um, so I talked to you and I mean, you were wonderful and I come back home. Now I don't, I don't look at Facebook, but my wife does. My wife's also a dentist. And um, so a lot of times um, we'll be sitting on the couch talking, something like that. And then if something distracts her, she'll pull out her phone and look at it. 
And so anyway, I, I was doing something with the kids. I sit back down next to my wife, um, look at her phone and what she's looking at. And you were there. You were like, really? Post that you had made, and I was like, Nisha, I know her, you know. So that was pretty exciting. So I was like, I'm going to be on our podcast. So, so I'm really happy to be here. Really exciting. Mm-hmm. I'm happy that you're here. And we were just talking right before we pressed record about you're telling me that you have learned so much um, in these years that you've been a dentist and a speaker. You've been learning about how we can be very successful in our practices, number wise but ignore the other ways in our lives that we need the things that we need for happiness. And in that way, we can be completely miserable, even if we're making a lot of money. Yes. Can you tell me more about that? Yeah. So for the first probably seven years as a a dental speaker, everything that I talked about was about developing an extraordinary practice, extraordinary in terms of case presentation, in terms of customer service, et cetera. And, um, and I feel like that, that's not novel. There's a lot of people who know how to do that. And people would report back to me positively and they would say, dude, I tried some of these ideas and they worked and my office is benefiting as a result. The problem is, is that the more that I would observe the lifestyles and the behaviors of dentists who were my age, let's say middle age and above, I would find that while their practices were successful and they were enjoying some of the material comforts of having a successfully run dental practice, other parts of their lives were falling apart. Whether it was their physical health, their longevity, whether it was their actual ability to sit up straight and um, stand and walk, whether it was their relationships with their kids, with their spouse, um, maybe with their aging parents, there were elements to their life that they were suffering. And I thought to myself, you know, we as dental practice owners, we put a tremendous amount of effort into making sure that our office is successful. Now for the extremely gifted amongst us, we can put effort towards our successful practice, but then also have a perfect life outside of that practice. But that's like, I don't know, 1% less than, it's definitely not me. I realized that the only way that if I was to have a very successful practice, if I was going to encourage others to create a successful practice, it would be unfair for me to completely ignore everything else about life, how to live, how to sleep, how to eat, how to exercise, how to interact with one another. Those are all things that are probably equally important in creating a whole and meaningful life. And so now a lot of my content as a, as a practice speaker is to give people the tools and the step-by-step implementation to improving their lives in those ways. Um, and a lot of times what I've found is that there's a lot of carryover. Um, if you start to live your life with more compassion and less conflict, all of a sudden you become a more compassionate leader. When there is conflict in your office, you can handle those conflicts without your temperature rising. And so I realized that these tools are benefiting people in both elements of their life. So you saw your practitioners making more money and then you also saw them not being happy even though they were making all that money. Correct. 
So give me an example of, let's pretend I'm one of your clients, okay? And I'm like, Encore, listen, we collected $200,000 last month. It was awesome. But I just got into a really big fight with my husband and I'm exhausted. And I have carpal tunnel syndrome now. So here's what I've realized about fighting and conflict in general. It's tremendously subjective. So Laura, I think you would agree that an episode on one day might result in a fight between you and your husband, but the identical episode could happen on a different day. And it might result in, um, I don't know, just a five minute conversation in which the two of you clarify what you were talking about. Wouldn't you agree? It's subjective. Uh, You know, we have ebbs and flows in our lives, just like everybody else does. Everybody has ebbs and flows. But the way that we handle those ebbs and flows is completely subjective. If I'm in a crappy mood, if I'm pissy, if I woke up on the wrong side of the bed and something small pisses me off, I'll go crazy. And so it's not about the fight. It's not about the episode. It's not about somehow creating a magical fantasy life in which those episodes don't occur. It's creating a life where your likelihood of, quote, waking up on the wrong side of the bed are less. So let's take your example. You just made 200 grand. That means you did a crap load of dentistry. So you, um, let's say you work four days a week, Monday through Thursday. You crammed in $200,000 of dental production into 16 days in that month. That means that when you got to the office, maybe you had patient A, you were doing three crowns on them. And right when you finished, you walked into op two and you did four veneers. And then you walked into op three and you had to pull a tooth and place some bone graft material. And then op four, you sat a crown. And that's fine. That's wonderful. Good for you. As long as it all goes perfect as long as the occlusion is good and the patient's easy to get numb and they can handle the isolate and all of that, that's all good. But that's not what happens. One, one, there's a little cog that gets thrown in. You know, somebody needs a denture adjustment and gets thrown. There's always a cog. And what ends up happening to you is you had that killer month, you made a ton of money and you're going to enjoy that money in some way at some point in the future. Maybe you'll go on a vacation. I don't know, something like that, right? But what you've done is you have expanded the demands on you past your capacity somehow. You know, we have a mental capacity, we have a physical capacity. And what happens too much is we get so, we salivate over the thought of having a crazy high production month. We're just like, oh my God, to have a month, 200 grand, I'm going to feel like such a baller if I do this, that I'm going to push everything that I need aside in order to do it. And what I've found is when I have months like those, I'll have that one patient where things didn't go that well. And then when I get home, I think about that patient. And then when I wake up in the morning, I'm thinking about that patient. And then, um, then my wife says something that like, wasn't really like offensive, but then I took it that way. And all of a sudden we get into a fight and it wasn't the thing that she said. And it wasn't my relationship with her. It was the fact that I was never clear about my capacity. I mean, Laura, let's face it. Are you clear about what your capacity actually is? Are any of us? We're just, we're just kind of leaving, right? I feel like so many of us are just like, well, if I can produce more, then I guess let's go ahead and do that because that's what I'm trying to do. 
So many people I talk to say this, and they say these two things. They say, if I produce more, if I make more money, then I'll get to relax more on my vacation that I'm going to go on in like six months. What the hell are you going to do from now until that vacation? You're going to just like kill yourself until then. That's number one. Or number two is they'll say, oh, then maybe I can retire early. Mm-hmm. Like, why would we suffer from now until retirement? No, let's learn our capacity now, our personal capacity, our personal abilities. Become clear on that capacity. And then make sure that the demands that we put on ourselves fall within that so that we can still be the best, most authentic version of ourselves. I'm telling you, we do that. Retirement's going to come. It's probably going to be very comfortable. Vacations that are going to come, they're going to be very comfortable. And our ability to have luxuries around us that we really value, those are still going to be there. And we get to be honest with ourselves and hopefully minimize a lot of the stress that we're having in our, in our day-to-day life. Sorry, was that like a crazy long answer to a super simple question? It's pretty much what I expect if I ask a public speaker a question. I just got to kind of settle in. and. <laughs> But you know, while you were talking, I was thinking about the principle of persuasion, which basically is your mindset before something happens. And so, you know, you were talking about the argument thing. If I've been seeing so many patients, and of course, like I've always said, private practice is messy. You're going to use the wrong code. Someone's not going to get numb. Someone's going to be late. There's always going to be something. You're never going to have that perfect day. And so if you've had a messy day and you're still swimming in the mess of it when you get home and then somebody says something that's a pet peeve or that annoys you or that you took the wrong way, it's so much easier to respond to that in a snarky way than to give that person the benefit of the doubt. Yeah, yeah. So well said. And, you know, sometimes you can't just meditate your way out of it. You know, if you come home and you've had a crazy day, a lot of people say, oh, well, just go for a walk. We can't just live a life where we feel like the only, like that we are just going to add that little element, that 10 or 15 minutes of meditation or going for a walk, and that's going to solve all of the agitations that are swirling in our mind. At some point, we just have to be honest with why we have agitation swirling in our minds all the time. And I don't know about you, but the vast majority of my listeners and my clients, when they get home from work, they don't have time set aside to take a walk. (laughs) They're they're about to cook dinner or drive the kids to baseball or something. So if they have any time for themselves, it's set aside later. It's not for right now. So you got this message that you're trying to help dentists to understand their capacity and to work within it. What else are you trying to get out there? Well, actually, I want to share a story. I, I think I might have told you this before, but I have a, um, a dentist who I consider somewhat of a mentor um, who's about 30 miles uh, up the road from me here. Um, we were at a CE course together way when I started doing dentistry. It was local. And he said a joke, and I thought it was funny, and we just kind of hit it off. He's about 30 years older than I am. And so when I was starting my career, he was finishing his career. Now, 
he still practices a little bit, successful private practice dentist, but the dude looks like Quasimodo. And he wouldn't mind if, he wouldn't mind if knowing that I said that. We joke around about it. His, his, if you drew a line between his shoulders, his nose is below that line. Like he, he's he like that. And he's so, I mean, and, and that's just how he walks, how he sits, how he does everything. And he was telling me about five years ago, he said, Gupta, listen, if you're going to do anything, work on your posture. You've got to work on your posture. And I was like, what do you mean? And he says, listen, I can't put on shirts. I can't put on shirts anymore. And I was like, what do you mean you can't put on shirts? He's like, I can't put them on. He's like, he's like, I can't lift my arms over my head. I can't, I can't pull the head part, you know, this part through. And so now the only shirts he can wear are the kind that you button into. And he's like, I know that seems like a small thing, but it is so frustrating not being able to reach your hands over your head. And he's like, and I don't, I don't feel sorry for him. I don't because he's lived a long, productive, healthy, happy, robust, energetic life. He's lived a long life and he's been great. And now because he's gotten older, he's got this posture deal where the muscles in the back of his neck are completely atrophied. And he's, he has this disability as a result. That's a part of growing old. I'm going to have random frustrating disabilities when I'm old too. But the problem is, is that when we do more dentistry, when we pack more dentistry into our lives, our, we're speeding up that process. And the second thing is the thing that he didn't have to deal with as a young productive person that you and I have to deal with is the fact that we do a lot of our work now on a laptop where it's down here and we do a lot of our interacting with people with a device of some sort that we generally hold down by our yeah. tongue. Yeah. And so our heads are like this. Yeah. And I'm, so anyway, I, um, right after Jumpstart, right after I met you, I spoke to a physical therapist who's right across the street from my office. And I said, are you noticing that there's more posture-related disability or posture-related uh, physical therapy health issues today than there were when you first started. And he was like, dude, you don't, you don't understand. It's like, it's a major problem. And I think to myself, I'm cool with not being able to put on shirts when I'm in my eighties. I'm not cool with not being able to put on shirts when I'm in my fifties or my sixties. That's a real problem. And what I realized is, you know, up until I became interested in this, I never really thought that it should be part of my daily regimen to do one to five minutes of exercises and strengthening and stretching that are focused solely on making sure that my head stays above my shoulders, that my back stays straight, that I'm, that I'm somewhat upright in everything that I do. And that, you know, one to five minutes a day, everybody has time. Even your busy moms who are listening to that, you have one to five minutes a day. And if you just allow yourself to strengthen those muscles so that you're more upright, you end up being less in pain. And uh, I don't know about you, Laura, but like I've been doing this for like 20 years. I still lean over when I do dentistry. Do you? Oh, of course. Oh my gosh. I mean, like it pisses me off when people are like, oh no, I always sit up straight and I just hold the mirror. I'm like, how? 
How do you get certain margin? I have to lean over. And so that's our job. That's our profession. We got to do it, right? Yes. But there are there is so we don't have to look at our phone all the time. We don't have to we don't have to um, slump up in front of a laptop all the time. We there's little tools we can do to make sure that we're upright. When we're in our car, there's little tools we can add so that we're upright. There's little tools we can do to make sure that these muscles are strong. And I want to be able to share that with as many people as possible. Okay. So you've got a message about kind of like constraining yourself Mm -hmm. in private practice. And you've got a message about taking care of your body so that you can practice and move and put on shirts. Yes. What else? Ah, okay. And... Then, there, then there's the entire element of being weird in terms of how we live our lives in today's culture. And what I mean by that is if you want to eat right, if you want to move around more often, if you want to exercise the way that people did, say, back when the majority of Americans were not obese, you got to be a little weird, mm-hmm. right? I, you know, I, I live here in Cleveland and I went to a Cavs game two weekends ago and I was just looking at what everybody was eating and it was like poison. It was like, it was just the worst pot. You know, it, have you ever compared like nachos from like a ball game to like actual melted cheese? I mean, it doesn't even look that, it doesn't even look like it comes from the same. It's like the worst possible stuff. And I realized that's normal. It's normal. It's normal to Fill your body with total crap, right? And in order to create an identity for yourself in which you're not going to accept that, you have to be a little bit weird. You have to be weird. And out here where you are in Iowa, where I am in Ohio, if it's a February day, you're weird if you go for a walk during your lunch. Mm -hmm. But, But let's face it, if you're sitting for eight hours, I mean, imagine sitting for all of the dental patients that you see, then sitting when you eat lunch and then sitting for your afternoon patients and then coming home and sitting for dinner, you're killing your body. You got to be a little weird by putting on some North Face gloves, you know, and, and, and a hat and, and putting on your heavy jacket and going for a walk. That's something I know. Laura, I know that your, your listeners, they're busy. I think I consider myself a very busy person as well. There's time to get outside and go for a walk. You don't have to take care of your kids during the lunch hour at your practice. That's, that's like a time in which you... Do, but what ends up happening is what's normal is you finish eating your lunch and then you look at your phone for 20 minutes or 30 minutes. That's normal. It's weird to go for a walk. And I think that it's kind of exciting to encourage people to be weird, to just, to not accept what's normal and to be weird and maybe see the benefits that actually occur from that. I got one more. Can I give you one more? Or am I running out of time here? You are not running out of time. You're totally okay, fine. I got one more, Laura. You know what's another weird thing is, because I do this a lot and I see a lot of dentists living simply so that you can be free of your financial debts your financial burdens is weird. It's weird. I have visited dentists who have their practice loan and their home mortgage and their two car loans and their student loan. And they have a credit card that they are not paying off the balance. on. They are buried in debt. 
And I might make a suggestion like, yo, do you think maybe like, don't get a new car, like, you know, just keep your car for a while. And the response I get from them is, well, I don't want, uh-oh, you know what? Somebody just walked up to the door. Can I, can I, uh, can I go check this real quick? So what I was saying is, you know, I'll see a dentist who has every luxury out there. They have like this sweet basement and outdoor patio and uh, luxury cars. And they, and they come and hire me to give a talk at their dental practice so that I can like teach their team to get a better case presentation so that they can make enough money so that they can be above water with all of these financial burdens. And I'll, I'll just make a, a passing comment. I'll say, you know, maybe you don't need the, a new car right away. You know, your car seems pretty good. And their comment back sometimes is, well, I don't want people to think that my practice isn't doing well. I don't want people to think. And I think that is so heartbreaking that a full-fledged adult is that insecure. Um, that they that they are going to endure years of financial stress and anxiety and sleepless nights because they can't imagine what people would think about them if they just adopted a more simple life. And and the fact is, because it's culturally, it's weird to be simple. It's it's culturally weird to not buy the next new thing and the next fancy thing and and. Um, but I did, and I feel like um, I benefited a lot in my life as a result. My hope is that when I, when I talk to people, is some of them might say, okay, maybe I don't like the direction that I'm going in my life. And even though it might be weird, I'd like to try. I'd like to try to see if I can, if I can gain a little bit more balance, even if it looks weird, maybe even if it doesn't seem like it's what everybody else is doing. Mm-hmm. I would like to make a life coach comment about what you just said too, if you don't mind. Sure. A lot of times when we want to buy something like a new car or a more beautiful house or something like that, we're imagining what we're going to feel when we have that thing. Yeah. And so I want that car because I want to feel, you know, important or safe or comfortable or ensconced in luxury or whatever it is, it's really helpful to figure out what that feeling is that you're going for. Because most of the time, the thing that you're going to buy doesn't actually give you that feeling. Actually, all of the time it doesn't. Because our feelings actually come from what we're thinking about inside our heads. So if we find out because we're lusting after a car that we want to feel luxurious, well, there's a way that we can feel luxurious without spending $50,000 on a car. And that's to change how we're thinking because that's just science. Our thoughts create our feelings. It's a really helpful way to help someone see they can feel how they want without having to spend that much money on it. Actually, so I have a question for you, Laura. So as a because I consider you a somebody who's gifted in the in the field of life coach. Thank okay. You. I think that people who often go after a material luxury, whether it's a car or it's a status symbol or something like that, I feel like they have a void of some sort. Okay? There's a void of some sort spiritually, psychologically, whatever. And that they are, they're not going after that purchase because they're irresponsible or they're not, they're not bad, but they are 
trying to experiment with what might make it so that that void feels full. So what is a strategy that you would suggest to a person if you see a continued behavioral pattern where they keep on making irresponsible financial decisions and they're not getting the satisfaction that they were hoping to get? So first of all, I want to say that I agree that if someone is going after material possessions over and over again, there's probably something that they believe about themselves that they're trying to cover up. So for example, I grew up in a really low income home. And the first couple of times that I bought a nice car, I thought that the car was proving to me and other people that I was okay now. Uh, Yeah, yeah, you're right. That I was safe and that I wasn't going to run out of money I wasn't going to get the lights turned off. And this car was going to keep on driving. It wasn't going to end up broken on the side of the road. Okay. If somebody comes to me and they say, I want to change my spending habits, because I'm not, as a life coach, I'm not going to look at someone and I'm not going to say, you know what? I think you need to change the way you spend. Right. Because that's not what life coaches do. But if you come to me and you say, I think I'm overspending then the first thing that I'm going to do is I'm going to teach the person about the concept of buffering. Have you heard of this before? No, I love this. Go on. Okay. So, you know, remember learning about weak organic acids and Mm -hmm. how the buffer always takes things back to the center, back to neutral as far as it can with the pH, right? And we would do the same thing in our lives with our feelings by buffering. So, Um, let's pretend that in my mind, I'm still convinced that I'm a terrible dentist, which just so you know, most dentists think that deep down inside their heads, they're very worried about their inadequacies. So I've got this feeling and I had a, a stressful day. Maybe there was some evidence that I was really terrible during the day, or at least that I made mean that I'm terrible and I get home. And I don't want to feel that yucky feeling anymore. So a human, especially in our society today, has many options for what they want to use as their buffer. They can choose Netflix, alcohol, opioids, food, shopping, all these things that bring that yucky feeling temporarily back to um, a sort of a equilibrium state. But the way you know that it's buffering is if the net result of your action is actually bad for you. Ah, okay. So I, I'm definitely going to feel better after I have that glass of wine. I'm going to be all relaxed, self-sedated, whatever. But how many glasses of wine is it going to take before I'm either making bad decisions or I'm hurting my liver or, uh, you know, dehydrating my skin or whatever? Hmm. There's all those things. And so I would take someone and I would help them see when they're buffering. Okay. Okay. So what then, okay, so now you have a person who's very self-aware. Now they're like, oh my gosh, Laura, I'm totally buffering. Like this, this is my habit. My habit is to get home and deal with my feelings of adequacy by doing things that are deep down, I know are destructive. Mm -hmm. So how would you then replace those destructive habits with more constructive habits? So what we have to do is we have to have some life coaching sessions where we uncover what it is that the person is thinking about that's making them feel yucky. 
Right. True. True. And as soon as they're aware of what they're trying to take away, usually people can can do the rest on their own. Sometimes you need a little bit of techniques for um, basically replacement thoughts. So you figure out what you believe that's hurting you, and then you figure out what you want to believe, and you work on thinking thoughts that create new neural pathways in your mind so that you don't always have that old habit anymore that's taking you back to, well, this is happening because I suck. This is happening because in freshman year um, operatory class, I couldn't make a class two prep, you know, or yeah. whatever. There's this, that neural pathway got put in there, and we have to work on taking it back out by giving yourself new thoughts and new beliefs that you, that feel good. So um, earlier when you first introduced me, I had mentioned that I tried to avoid social media like Facebook. Mm -hmm. And um, I have a variety of reasons why I try to avoid um, social media. But one of those reasons is because Whatever feelings of inadequacy I may possess, maybe about um, the way I look or um, the type of dentist I am, or just the things that are, that are um, in my eyes, very imperfect, very far from perfect. I feel as though those outlets, social media outlets, those amplify, those amplify those inadequacies that I feel in myself. But those things are ubiquitous. Like, for example... Um, I see dental work on Facebook that I probably could never possibly recreate, you know, like veneer cases that look like insanely great. Mm -hmm. And I think to myself, wow, this is like the standard. And I'm like, I'm rolling somewhere at 40% of that. Mm -hmm. And I feel like crap. And I feel like, uh, you know, um, this the, the fact that we have infinite access to comparison, we have access to comparing our inadequacy, our lack of perfection to constant perfection and awesomeness. Yeah. That is really tough. And so um, I'm assuming that probably most of your listeners, they probably do a lot of social media um, probably when people come up to you and they say, man, I, I don't, I just don't feel good about myself. And you look at them and you're like, dude, you're killing it in life. I mean, look at you. You look great. You have this beautiful family. You have this awesome practice. You're very accomplished, but you look at them and they don't feel like they're accomplished. They feel like they are way inadequate in so many ways. What advice do you give those people? The first thing that I do is I listen, I sure. listen a lot. And I let them tell me what's been happening in their minds. And I'm not going to tell them what to do because that's not what life coaches do. We show people what they're thinking. So I'm not going to say, hey, you got to get off of Facebook because that's up to them. And only they know what's best for them. But I'm going to help them see what's been happening when they get on Facebook. So encore for you, I'd be like, well, what happens when you see those beautiful veneers? What goes through your mind? When you see those. Oh, you're asking me right I now? Yeah. <laughs> what goes through your mind? That whoever posted those is a much better dentist than I am. Okay. And maybe I'm not doing things right. And maybe there's something about my technique that's wrong. Or maybe there's something about my overall hand skills that's just uh, inadequate. Okay. So let's take that last one. Maybe my hand skills are inadequate. How does that feel to you when you think that in your mind? So I feel like 
I feel like a fraud. Okay. Because people, people in my community think of me as this great dentist and, Mm -hmm. you know, all this kind of stuff. And I feel like a fraud because uh, I know that I'm not as good as that guy. Okay. So when you feel like a fraud, when Encore Gupta feels like a fraud, how does Encore act? What do you do when you're feeling fraudulent? Okay. Well, I wish I could say I just try harder, Mm -hmm. but I'm probably less patient when my team is inadequate, when my team does something that is very human, but imperfect. Mm -hmm. I feel less patient. I, I think the easiest way to handle that feeling is to assign the blame to someone other than myself. So I will maybe in my head think, oh, well, if they just, if they set up the room or if they suction better or whatever it is, I think I, so what I do is I probably unfairly assign blame Mm -hmm. to others rather than myself. Right. So when that happens, the result of you having that thought, my hand skills aren't as good as other people is that you don't end up taking full responsibility for things in your practice. Yes, very true. Have very you Other people for it, that, right? And then I would ask you, is that what you want? Oh, God, no. No, not at all. What do you want? What do you want? The next time that you see a beautiful set of veneers on Facebook, what do you want the result of seeing those veneers to be? Oh, just the immediate reminder that I am... I'm a very conscientious person that while I'm not perfect, I'm doing the best I can. And that there has been whatever number of patients who have benefited from that effort. That reminder is uh, what I would need. You know, it, when, when I feel like, oh man, I, I'm not good enough. I just have to remind myself, oh no, no, I am good enough. I just, you know, I, I so. So what you're saying is when you see the veneers, what you would like is to not feel threatened. Yeah. But just to be reassured that even though that looks like a fancy case or whatever, mm-hmm. you're still good. Yes. Okay. So then in a life coach situation, we would go, we would actually work backwards and figure out what you need to feel and what you need to think in your head in order to get that new result. That's how life. Oh, works. excellent. Well done. Mm-hmm. Well done. That was excellent. You just saw into your mind a little bit. <laughs> but, but to keep things simple, though, I am going to just like not go on Facebook because it is nice to not have. That. Oh, my gosh. Every time I see a fancy case, I'm like, look away. <laughs> I got to protect my mental nuggets here for what I have the energy for. Actually, Laura, you know what I've uh, what I've observed because my wife is a dentist. We own our practice together. Mm-hmm. What, and, and I'm assuming, am I correct that the majority of your listeners are female dental practice owners? Am I correct? Yes. Okay. What I've noticed is that I just came up with an example and it was a dental example. But when I look at the things that bring out that same insecurity in my wife, I realize that females have a lot more buckets for which they are judged upon than men do. Let me give you an example. If I didn't dress very nice, nobody would care. If I was unattractive, nobody would care. 
if I, uh, if I carried more weight, nobody would care. I was just, I'm just a dude. And the other thing is when I just am around my kids, people think I'm like the greatest dad ever. I'm just sitting there. You know what I'm saying? And my kids are running around and people are like, Oh, that's so nice that you're with your kids. And nobody would give a mom that same credit. You know what I'm saying? The kids not only have to, they don't, not only does the mom have to spend time with the kids, but the kids have to behave well and eat right and, and all of this kind of stuff. And these are all burdens that I don't, that I'm liberated from. Um, now, while I, I try my best in our lives to be an equal contributor to whatever um, responsibilities are at the home, I realize that even if I do that, that still doesn't free my wife from that burden of judgment in all of these other buckets and all of these other realms of judgment. You know, it's like, it's like, I just noticed that 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 is something she feels that way about so many things that I just don't, I'm, I totally don't. And I guess what I'm trying to say is, I think it is more complicated and there's more self-awareness that is required for a female who is running their dental practice and it's really nice that you are around as a female who's running a dental practice because even though I think I'm a nice guy and I'm a pretty good motivational speaker and coach, there are elements to the other gender that I'll never understand, that I'll never quite understand. You know, that I, that no, maybe I'll understand, but I'll never be able to actually relate to. And so, um, so I, anyway, I, the reason I said it is just because Sometimes I'll hear um, a big dental coach guy, you know, just like, you know, some big time dude, you know, Blatchford or Gary Cady. And the title of their uh, web seminar or something like that is, you know, finding balance for the female dentist. And I'm like, yo, like, that's great. But man, I don't know if we know. I don't know if we could do it. I don't know. So I'm just saying it's nice that you're around as a resource for people. Well, I have two comments for that, and then we're out of time. Okay. Um, first of all, the most quintessential thing that you'll find that your female clients and listeners run into is that being a leader in her practice is much more challenging, more multifaceted, and we put a lot more pressure on ourselves to make sure that our employees feel good. And yes. So then we're afraid to say what we want them to do to change. Yes, And that's the part of what my coaching is, is to help female dentists make the changes they want to make in their practices to have what they want without worrying about the burden and the pressure that they're putting on themselves to make their employees feel good. That's incredibly valuable. That's great. Yes. Yeah. It's been really great. And then, of course, Bill Blatchford, his um, daughter, Christina, is at the helm now. So she's a woman. So. Oh, that's right. That's, <laughs> that's right. probably why you're seeing that one there because okay. they got a girl now. So. Oh, awesome. And she's so, amazing, by the way. Love oh, that's great. That's great. So, um, so anyway, um, well, okay. So I, I appreciate How do I like make it so that people who follow me know about your podcast? Oh, um, you know, it's shared on your social media when you're in, um, when you're in speeches or, or conversations where the subject comes up, I've got my website. I can send mm -hmm. that to you and my podcast. I can send that to you. The podcast is really a great place for anybody to start because you can just take it in in whatever way or form is most 
um, convenient for you. You know, a lot of dentists listen to podcasts on their commute and stuff like that. So, and yes. if you talk to anyone who's like, man, I'm just feeling so stressed and I don't know what to do about that. Um, I will always do a free consult for anyone who thinks that they want help. And not all of my clients are female. So I have some dudes. And, um, That's cool. Okay. Mm-hmm. I'm sure a ton of dudes could benefit from what you have to say too. I just, sure. I, I see the value though. Um, okay. And then, and then also I want to, so, well, I guess we could take that offline, but I want, I want to know if you want to be a speaker at one of my events coming up. And so we'll, oh. we'll talk Well, tell me about your event first, and then we'll sign up. Sure. So my very first happiness, success, and longevity retreat is going to be uh, at the Deer Creek Lodge in Conference Center outside of Columbus. It's going to be in June of next year. So I'm giving myself a year and a half to plan this. Um, This is, let me give you the bullet points for this retreat. It's, It's, yes, it's going to be about practice success and all of those normal things that you hear about dental practices, case presentation, marketing, customer service, team harmony, et cetera, um, and all of the systems that are involved. But this is a retreat that's going to be in a very beautiful um, outdoor resort lodge type of setting. So there's going to be morning wilderness hikes, um, outdoor yoga, foam rolling workshops. Um, Every night we will um, have wine around a fire pit and... One night, I actually got a stand-up comedian who's going to be there. Oh, you met the same guy, the stand-up comedian who was at Jumpstart. Is that um, Carlos? Carlos, yeah. So, we'll have to let him know he got mentioned in, in this podcast episode. Yeah, so, um, so it'll be 16 hours of CE, and all the meals are going to be real food, colorful, delicious, uh, nutritional food. Uh, the All meals Friday and Saturday are going to be included and it's an opportunity for dentists to bring their spouse and their team and have just an in, incredibly holistic and powerful experience. And I was thinking, whoa, Laura could probably be a great uh, workshop leader for one, of the, for one of the events that I'm going to plan. So um, anyway, it's June 17th through the 20th um, uh, near Columbus, Ohio. Uh, and that's, from, that's in 2021, not this coming year. Not so, 2020. Yes, 2021. And uh, if you want to learn more about it, uh, my website, it's, it's BeBetterSeminars.com. So it's BeBetterSeminars.com. Well, I'll make sure that your, um, your website is in our show notes too. So keep oh, I appreciate it. I appreciate it. Oh, and I'm keeping the number down. I only want no more than 50 people for the retreat so that I can make it as intimate as possible. So people could really learn about each other and, and, um, create a community. So that's the goal. I, I, I hope I can over deliver for the people who do sign up. I'm sure you're going to. And thank you so much for being on my podcast. I really appreciate you taking the time to tell me all those things. I, I appreciate being, I, I love the opportunity. I think that you have a tremendous resource that you can offer to dentists. And I just, I feel very honored that I get to contribute. Thank you. All right. Thank you for listening to Feeling Good, a podcast for dentists. To learn more, please visit thelifecoachforbusydentist.com and take advantage of my current offer for a free, no-obligation consultation to find out if having a life coach is right for you. I promise you won't regret it.